Welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon in the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Episode 8 of Process to Profitability. Today, I'm talking with lawyer Autumn Witt Boyd, all about creating contracts that protect you and your client. Autumn and I had worked together on a contract for my own business, and so I was excited to bring her on to talk about her process and some tips for creating contracts that protect you in your business while still making sure that your clients get the best deal possible and that you can both be confident that you are going to be protected if anything were to happen and how that makes it so much easier to have the freedom to do your work while knowing that you have a contract to back you up. Autumn is an experienced lawyer who helps high achieving and ambitious business owners reach their big goals faster and smarter. Autumn guides creative entrepreneurs with big dreams as they grow from one-person shows to bigger deals and collaborations. She has a special expertise in copyright and trademark issues. Autumn also hosts the Legal Roadmap podcast, which teaches business owners how to protect their rights and stay out of legal hot water. She lives in Chattanooga, Tennessee with her husband, Dave, twin boys, Sam and Tyson, and daughter, Vivian. I hope that you love today's episode and get to know a little bit more about contracts so they don't seem as scary, especially as you're starting out in business. Autumn is a great resource for all things legal, so if you are interested in learning more, be sure to check out her Legal Roadmap podcast, which is on iTunes. Now let's get to today's episode. I'm excited to talk about contracts, which is a topic that a lot of people, I think, are scared of. But it's not so scary. We've worked on one, right? Yes, we have. Um, So why don't we get started by having you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what you do. Sure. So I'm a lawyer. I work, uh, I have a small law firm and I work with online and creative entrepreneurs. So um, designers and web web designers like you, but also people selling information products or digital products, um, authors, all kinds of business people. Um, I've been a lawyer for about 13 years now and I opened my own practice about two years ago and I run it virtually. So we have never met in person, even though we've worked together. Um, and it's awesome. It's really fun. I work with really like probably 95% women. Um, and I get to help them figure out how to accomplish all of their really big, crazy goals and make sure that they're legally protected while they do it. So I live in Chattanooga, but I work Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, but I work with clients all over the country. Um, and how I got started, I had worked at a law firm worked at a couple different law firms. Um, and as I was growing my family and the travel with, um, traditional law firm life was getting just to be a lot for us to juggle. Um, I decided to branch out on my own and my background is copyright and trademark work. So that is my expertise that I bring to my current practice. Although I do a lot of contract drafting and just general business work as well, but I feel like I always have my copyright and trademark lawyer hat on. And since that is probably the most important asset that most of my clients have in their business, it's, it's the real value that they're bringing to the table. It's usually what they're selling or what they're delivering. Um, so I, I love working with these clients. It's a lot of fun and I, I help them get legally protected. Cool. So why did you decide to work with creative entrepreneurs instead of more traditional clients? 
Yeah, it was kind of a happy accident, honestly. Um, when I started my own practice, I thought that my skill set would be a good fit for startup companies. And here in Chattanooga, we have a ton of startup energy. We've got kind of an infrastructure that really supports startup companies, and we have this crazy fast internet. So we're we're a little bit of a startup um, haven. And I quickly figured out that um, I was just, I, I didn't really enjoy working with startups, to be honest. Um, often they're so early in, especially before they've worked with another law firm, um, they don't really see the value in legally protecting themselves because it's all about like, let's get it done fast and let's get it out and let's bootstrap everything. Let's not spend any money. Um, and I am um, a kind of a big picture person. I like to be proactive and, you know, you need to put things in place now that will protect you down the road. And that's just not the mentality at a startup company. So um, I was kind of looking around and I actually found the Being Boss podcast right around the time that I was starting out on my own. And it opened my eyes to this whole world of creative entrepreneurship that I didn't even know existed. Um, and this new world of online businesses and solopreneurs, you know, people leaving their day jobs to start virtual businesses. And it, that was a very natural fit. And so I just started connecting with clients um, in that Facebook group. And then it's just grown from there through referrals and through meeting other people. I've gone to some conferences to meet people. And I love this client base. I've become friends with a lot of my clients. And I think that's kind of the ideal scenario where you're working with people that you would want to hang out and have a, a glass of wine with anyway. So it's been awesome. So I know a lot of the people listening are starting out in business and they no, they've probably heard that they need a contract, but they're not really sure what that involves. So can you talk about the basics of creating a contract for small businesses and what businesses should start with um, now and maybe what they could add in the future as they grow? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that a contract is the most important legal protection for most businesses. A lot of times people come to me and they're like, do I need to set up an LLC? And I'm like, no, you need to start with a contract because in the beginning, especially a lot of people are providing services. And so the foundation legally for your business is going to be a contract with the people that you're providing services with. Um, so it's going to set out what you're going to charge them when the payment is due, what exactly you're doing. Um, all the different kinds of ways that you're going to work together. So if there are deadlines that the client needs to meet to get you information to be able to do the project, um, any deadlines that you have, all of those kinds of things, you just want it to be in writing so that there are no misunderstandings later. And I'm a big proponent that a contract should not be one-sided. It should really protect both sides. It should make you both feel good about working together. So it should be fair. It should be even-handed. Um, it should have protections for both sides. So it shouldn't allow the service provider to run away with all the money if they don't do any work. Um, and when you have a client uh, or a contract that's like that, um, it's very easy to convince a client to sign it who might be a little wary of looking at a legal document because it's not scary. It just, it's fair. It just says all the things that you've hopefully already discussed and agreed to. And it may, it should make both sides feel good about moving forward together because both sides know they're protected. So I think that the, your client agreement is going to be the most important thing for most businesses to think about first. And you can absolutely write that yourself. Um, a lot of my clients who are newer businesses will kind of cobble something together. Um, I have templates on my website that I sell for a low price if somebody wants something slightly more legit and has a little bit of a budget to spend on it. Um, 
but you know, you can certainly research and do your best, especially when you're new working with clients. I, I don't recommend spending a ton of money on a lawyer at the beginning because you're just figuring out how you even like to work with clients and what your systems are and all of those things. So I don't recommend spending a bunch of money to create this contract that you may decide in three months, you want to do things a totally different way. And then you would have to have it totally rewritten. So um, I think there's ways to, to do it yourself in the beginning before you, you know, are a little bit bigger, more established and ready to work with a lawyer. Awesome. So what are some of the most important things that somebody would put in a contract that they would send to a client they were going to work with? Yeah. So there's five big ones that I'll go over. Um, the first is going to be a detailed list of the products or services. I do deal, I have some product-based clients also. I don't know if you're listeners, you have some product-based businesses, yep. um, but it's the same thing for a product business. You want to be really clear on if you're selling earrings, how many earrings and what styles and um, all of that. So if you're a life coach, you want to include how many sessions and how long. If you're a graphic or a web designer, you want to list all of your deliverables. So are you doing a logo? Are you doing letterhead? Are you doing business cards? Are you doing, you know, a website design? Um, If you're an event planner, you want to say exactly what services you're providing. Like if you're doing a wedding, are you also doing the rehearsal dinner? Um, How many meetings do you include? All of those kinds of things. You just want to be really clear to avoid um, the dreaded scope creep which is where you thought you agreed to do one thing and the client thought you agreed to do another thing and you end up providing a lot more services than you expected. Um, The second thing to include would be an itemized and total cost. So you want to be really clear right up front with all the payments that are going to be owed and any deadlines. So I like to split up payments whether it's a half deposit on the front end and then half upon completion, or if you have milestone payments, like if you're doing a big um, graphic and web design project, maybe you have one payment that's due when you finish the logo and one finish one payment when you have the conceptual design and then another at the end. Um, but I, I just, I like to not let the client get too far behind in paying for the things that you're actually doing so that if things go wrong, if you decide that you want to part ways, um, you're pretty much caught up. You're not, you haven't done a bunch of work that you haven't been paid for. And it's also really easy at that point to say, okay, well, I said I was going to do 10 things. I've actually done three. How do we figure out how much you're going to pay me for the three things? If you've got a nice itemized price list in your contract, it's really easy to figure that out. And there's no hard feelings. Um, the third thing, and this is really, really key, is a refund policy. And I like to include this, even if your policy is that you don't give refunds, you need to say that in your contract so that there's no misunderstanding. Um, or if you do give refunds, you would want to spell out what circumstances you give refunds in. Are there any requirements? Like they have to give you back the product or... Um, do they, you know, if it's a web design product or a graphic design project, does, if you give a refund, does that mean they can't use the, the collateral or the things that you design? Because uh, I would hope that if you're going to let them use it, that you're going to be paid for it. Um, so just you need to think about how you want to handle those um, refund scenarios if things go wrong. Um, and all of this, I should say, just as an overview, these are kind of all things to think about, like, we hope everything goes right. We hope that the project is a huge success and that you want to work together again, but things happen. People get sick. They move on to other projects. They get busy. Um, things happen in life. Sometimes people just turn out to be a jerk that you didn't expect to be a jerk. So you, you need to think about, okay, what, what would I want to happen in the worst case scenario that would still make me feel okay about this project? And like, I'm not being hung out to dry. 
So the fourth thing is how to end the relationship. So if either side wants to terminate, they should be able to do that. There should be a clear process, uh, whether they need to give you notice in writing, whether there's um, a certain number of days that you want to require them to give you notice if, you, if you're working on things. Um, and it, with all of these things, it doesn't really matter. There's no rules on how any of this has to be set up. It's whatever feels good to you and how you work with clients and what you think the clients will feel good about. So, but you want to definitely have a termination clause that just says, if one side wants to call it done, here's how we do that. And then the fifth thing, since I, like I said, I always have my copyright and trademark hat on, um, you want to be really clear on who owns what. If you're creating something as part of the contract, um, graphic or web design, or even products, um, or a, a custom commission something, you want to make sure it's really clear, does the service provider own the intellectual property rights, or does the purchaser own the intellectual property rights? That's especially important because, um, as I mentioned before, if you have an early termination, you want to be clear um, when when do the rights transfer. So let's say you're halfway through a project and the client wants to bail and take your work to somebody else to finish it. Are you okay with that? Or do you own all the rights and they don't transfer? So again, there's lots of different ways that you can handle that. But that is one term that uh, is a little trickier because there are copyright and trademark laws that specify kind of some magic language there. So that is something you might want to, um, you know, have a quick consult with a lawyer or speak with a friend um, who maybe have more experience with you or has a, a legit contract that you can look at and see how that is handled the right way to be sure that, um, you know, the worst case scenario is where you have the client owning all the rights, whether they pay you or not. <laughs> because with all of these things, if something goes wrong, really, you just want to make sure you get paid for the work that you've done. And um, sometimes the key to doing that is to have a little bit of leverage and not transferring all of the rights until you're paid is a great piece of leverage. Yeah. So do you have any questions? I know I just went over a bunch <laughs> of stuff. So tell me if you have any questions about any of that, Samantha. Yeah, I think my first question is, as far as the refund policy goes, I think it's really smart to have that in there. But are we limited by what our contract says? So if a circumstance comes up where your client has something really crazy happen, but your contract says, I don't give refunds at all, no matter what happens, can you sort of go around that and break that rule? Or do you need to stick with that? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, so the contract is like an outline. It's what you've agreed to in the beginning, but you always have the choice to make a different agreement. So as long as you are both in agreement that you're going to change that refund policy, then that's fine. You can totally change it. Um, the only thing you couldn't do is you decide to change it and your client doesn't agree to the change. Like, let's say you, you did have a refund policy and you want to change it to no refunds. Well, the client didn't agree to that. Um, so that's something where you just want to make sure that you're both in agreement to the change. I would want to put it in writing. Um, and an email is a fine way to do that. Um, and I do talk about this sometimes with clients that you may want to be a little meaner in your contract than you really want to be um, in real life, because then it gives you the option to be as mean as you need to be. And then you can always back off. Um, like you said, life happens. Sometimes you do want to make an exception and you don't have to put in your contract that you're going to make an exception. You don't have to give them notice that they can be crazy. Um, but you, you always have the option to, to make an exception like that. Right. So it's better to start out protecting yourself as much as possible and protecting your client. And then 
make changes sort of going to being more generous rather than having to try to enforce things that aren't in your contract. Yeah. Cause I'll have clients sometimes that I'll work with on a contract and they'll say, well, I want to give myself, um, you know, leeway. I'd like to put there no refunds except in special circumstances. (laughs) And I'm like, well, then everybody thinks they're a special circumstance. (laughs) And then you have the question of like, well, what is a special circumstance? And, you know, if you took that in front of a judge, he, he would kind of throw his hands in the air and say, I don't know what a special circumstance is, but it looks like this guy fits. So yeah, I always like to start, make it as clear as possible. And then you always have that option um, to make an exception. Okay. And now I know you're in Tennessee and you work with clients all over. So are there circumstances where someone would need to contact a lawyer in their own state to work on a contract? Or can they do that based on just working with somebody who knows the industry? Sure. Yeah. Um, there are legal licensing rules in every state. So it's a little bit different in every state. Um, and I'm only licensed in Tennessee. Um, so I can't appear in court in another state, um, but I do work on contracts in every state and I'm able to research the law in every state. So if there is a particular issue, you know, I can check it out and make sure that, that we're in compliance. Um, as a practical matter, now most of us are doing doing business all across the United States. None of us are just doing business in our own state. So there are some protections you can build into your contract to make it clear that, um, you know, your home state's laws apply. And so you can research those and make sure that you're in compliance there. Um, I do always, I'm very honest with my clients that I am only licensed in Tennessee. And I always tell them if they would like to consult with a local lawyer, that's fine. I have no problem with that. I'm happy to try and connect them with someone. Um, And like you said, where I kind of provide value is I have this knowledge and experience in the online industry and working with e-commerce and internet-based businesses. Um, I would say the one area that is a little tricky is employment laws. Those are very different in different states. And so if you are a bigger business where you're starting to have employees and you're wanting to do employment contracts or non-competes or um, non-disclosure agreements, those kinds of things, um, that is an area where it may be time to look for a local lawyer to give you some advice on those pieces. Um, okay. Now I had a question because I know a lot of us are working for other people who might have contracts. So does it make sense as a service provider to sign someone else's contract or should we always sort of get them to sign ours? (laughs) We call this the battle of the forms (laughs) in in the lawyer world. Um, yeah, it really is going to depend on what your negotiating leverage is. So if you are working with another creative, um, I think it is fair for the service provider to be the one providing the contract. But if you're working for a giant multinational company, um, like a big insurance company, we have a lot of insurance companies in my town. Um, they're going to have a standard contract that they require all of their vendors to sign. And you're not going to have a lot of wiggle room on that. So um, I think you've just got to balance, um, you know, how valuable is the contract? Hopefully, if you're working with one of those big companies that has a take it or leave leave it vendor contract, then it's going to be a higher dollar project. And it's, um, you know, maybe worth giving up a little bit of your normal legal protections to get that job. Um, But I think people might also be surprised that even though it looks like a take it or leave it vendor contract, there sometimes is a little bit of wiggle room. And so it's important in those situations to to go ahead and read through the whole contract. And especially if it is a bigger dollar contract to even work with a lawyer. I do have some some local graphic designers that I work with and I've helped them negotiate some of these bigger contracts. 
Um, and it wasn't very expensive. You know, it took me maybe an hour of my time total to, but we were able to change some terms that were really didn't even make sense for the kind of contract. Like that's the thing when you have their standard vendor contract, it doesn't always really apply to the way that you're working with a client. Um, and so we were able to kind of change a couple of things that made it a lot closer to the terms of his normal contract and the way that he likes to work with, um, with clients. Okay. That sounds good. Now you mentioned before that our contract should benefit both us and our clients. So how do you sort of go about that when you're writing a contract to make sure that it's fair and balanced and protects both sides? Yeah. I mean, I think you just have to, like, I can tell you what my process is when I talk with a client, I, I get a big overview of how they do business. And unless you're a real jerk, you're probably pretty fair with how you're working with clients most of the time. Right. Yeah. So you should keep that in mind when you're writing your contract. Um, you know, there's all these different questions that you have to answer when you're putting your contract together. Like, what do you want your payment deadlines to be? Well, if you don't think your client is ever going to agree to having to pay the whole thing up front, like let's say it's a $10,000 web design process project. Um, if you demand that they pay the whole thing up front and it's 100% non-refundable and there's no, you know, no take backs, no anything, you know, that's pretty obvious that that's not going to be fair. So I think a lot of it is just common sense and your experience of working with clients and you get to know over time and it doesn't take very long, you know, after you've worked with a couple of clients, you'll see pretty quickly like what kinds of things are they objecting to or what kinds of things um, are they pushing back on? And then you can tell like, oh, well, that maybe is a little one-sided. Maybe, maybe we need to adjust that. So I think it's just, um, you know, I, I kind of have a not be a jerk policy. Um, and I don't really like to work with jerks. So I don't have a lot of people who come to me wanting a really one-sided contract. But I have seen them where um, I'm like, I can't believe anyone would sign this contract. It's so one-sided. And it <laughs> is, it is <laughs> terrible. If anything goes wrong, you know, you can basically run away with all their money. Um, yeah. So I think just, you know, keeping in mind that you want to be a good person, you want to make money, you want to protect yourself. You don't want somebody to take advantage of you. Um, but you know, in general, you're going to be a nice person throughout the process. Right. And I think that's where it makes a lot of sense. Like you said, to sort of put something together on your own for your first couple of projects and then see how you like to work with people, see where you might need more protection to be able to enforce things. And that's when you can get a more formal contract and work with a lawyer to do that so that you already know sort of where those problems might crop up instead of trying to sort of anticipate that from the very right. beginning. Yeah. That's one of the questions I always ask my clients when we're working on a contract is, you know, where have you had problems in the past? What do you know are issues that we need to address? Um, Cause there's always going to be that crazy client that throws you a curveball you never would have seen coming and you can't hundred percent protect against that. But there are things that will come up. Like we know clients are sometimes slow getting us their photos and copy if we're in a website project. So let's put some things in the contract that give them a good incentive to be on time. <laughs> right. Yeah. So how do we communicate the benefits of having a contract in place to clients who might be reluctant? Maybe they've never had to sign a contract for something like this before, and they're just a little bit nervous about doing that. Yeah, I like to explain it as like, it gives everybody freedom. So whether you realize it or not, if you are working without a contract, I think everybody has in the back of their mind, this little bit of worry. Like, what if things go wrong? I don't know what's going to happen. It's just this big unknown. 
And so I like to explain it like, because we have our agreement in writing, then we are totally free to be really creative and to do our best work because we don't have to have that worry. We know if we get to a roadblock or if we get to a point where the relationship isn't working anymore, we have a clear process for how we're going to end the relationship. And so what I have found is rather than, you know, feeling like it ties people down and it's really burdensome is it's actually very freeing. And I think, like I said before, if your contract is fair to both sides, that's another way to explain it to your client. Like, Hey, this protects you also. This is not just for my benefit. This is for both of our benefits. Um, And I think also being willing, hopefully you understand your contract so that you can explain and answer any questions. Um, And it should be, you know, written in pretty plain English so that the client can actually read through it and make sure they understand what they're agreeing to. Um, I think when you not sell it, but you are kind of selling it, but when you, you talk to clients about it that way, um, you know, and I, I think especially as you start working with more sophisticated clients, anybody who's been in business very long has seen the benefit of a contract. So, um, you know, you just tell people this is, we're, we're doing business and I hope everything goes well, but this is just in case something, something goes wrong. It protects both of us. Right. So who are other people you might want contracts with in addition to your clients? So as you start growing, um, one of the next logical steps is going to be um, you, you may need to outsource some of your work. So you may start working with independent contractors or you may hire an assistant or someone else to help you with production. Wherever um, you know, you're feeling overwhelmed in your business, usually is your, one of your first hires. So an, uh, a written contract with those people is really important. And you may want to include some of the things I talked about before. Um, if you're letting someone into the inside of your business, you don't want them to then compete with you, especially if like you have an intern who's just starting out or just learning your business. Um, you don't want them to be able to take your customer list and then offer them the same services they've been providing at a lower rate. So um, you want to think about non-competition and non-solicitation agreements. Um, And then the other thing to think about, and as you're doing, maybe you're collaborating with other people, um, not as a contractor, but just like you're putting together something, a project or a product, Um, you might think about non-disclosure agreements. So that just requires both sides. And again, these can be reciprocal. So they work both ways. Um, It requires everybody to keep secret things that they learn about your business. So that again, they're not going to go use it against you or take it to somebody else to use to compete with you. So those kind of employment and contractor issues are often a next step. Um, Same thing if you are especially a product-based business and um, you're doing purchasing, like bigger bigger quantities of things, you might want to have a vendor contract. Or if you start um, doing wholesale um, you, you know, you're trying to expand your reach of a product-based business. You might want to do a wholesale contract with stores or, um, other websites that are carrying your stuff. So those are kind of next steps. Okay. So going into the product-based businesses a little bit, because they're different as far as this goes, if you are selling a product on your website or on Etsy, how do you have a contract with the people who are purchasing from you? Yeah. So normally if it's just a one shot deal, like a pair of earrings on Etsy, you're not going to have a contract. Um, and honestly, their contract is really with Etsy because that's the platform. They're kind of the go between. Um, but let's say you were doing a custom commission, um, either a painting or a custom piece of jewelry. Um, you would want, you have a little bit more of a direct relationship with the buyer and hopefully it's a higher price point. 
Um, so that would, in that sense, you would want to definitely have, and it could just be a really short one, but a contract just saying what you're going to do, what you're going to charge, um, and who owns the copyrights. Like, let's say you made an amazing bracelet for someone, um, and you want to then carry it in your store because you really like it. Um, you know, you want to make sure that you have the right to do that. Or if the person wants to be the only one with that bracelet, then, um, you can put that in the contract, but you should charge more for it because they're, they're getting the benefit of having that exclusivity. All right. Do you see any issues that, you know, service-based businesses or product-based businesses should be aware of when writing their contracts or trying to enforce them um, that tend to crop up a lot? Um, yeah, I think the big ones are around the client relationship breaks down and nobody knows what to do next. So um, figuring out who needs, who owes who, what money and who gets to use what things. Um, I see it a lot with my graphic designer clients, like maybe they're two thirds of the way through creating a logo, but it's not final. Can the client take that and take it to another designer or just use it as is? And, um, sometimes that's okay, but maybe the designer is not really proud of it because it's not finished. And so, uh, maybe they just, you know, they're okay with the client using it, but they don't want their name associated with it. Um, so those are the big ones. And so you can prevent that by having really clear terms in your agreement about what happens if you want to split and especially on the money. Um, you know, I've actually have had to negotiate a couple of disputes lately where, um, it was really big dollars. Uh, you know, a $20,000 contract and um, the person did a chargeback with their credit card company. So that can get really tricky and that can make a big impact on your business. I mean, that's a big chunk of money to all of a sudden see gone. Um, so there are also some things that you can put in your contracts about your refund policy and about how you will handle chargebacks and whether they're allowed or not. Um, they can protect you in those circumstances. And again, that's as your business is, is growing and getting to be a little more mature and you need a little bit more complex language in your contracts to handle those kinds of scenarios. Um, I think the other thing, getting to what you mentioned before with product-based businesses, it's a little bit different, but a lot of um, my clients sell digital products like courses or um, workbooks or downloads, you know, um, virtual type products. Um, and what we see a lot is people offer payment plans, but the purchaser can get the whole thing pretty much after making one small little payment and then they cancel the payments or they cancel their credit card. And so you have a problem getting the rest of the payments. And so there, again, there are ways, there are terms that we can put in that contract um, that will help you in those scenarios have a little bit more leverage. Uh, but that's, that's a little bit more of a complex legal arrangement. Okay. How does someone, if something goes wrong and you need to end a relationship or you need to pull out the contract, how do you go about enforcing that? Um, are there ways to do that without involving a lawyer from the very beginning? You know, how do we make sure that that contract is going to actually protect us if something does come up and how do we communicate that with our clients? Yeah, absolutely. So the first step is not to call your lawyer. Usually, um, the first step is just to pull out the contract and read through it and see if whatever has happened is covered in the contract, you know, whatever scenario you find yourself in. And if it is, then you can send a formal letter or an email or have a phone call. I like to get things in writing though. Um, because if things escalate, you want to have a record of what you were talking about. Um, 
And it can be as simple as just saying, hey, you know, I know we're in this situation. If you look at our contract, page two, paragraph eight says whatever it says. And so, you know, since it says this, this is what I think needs to happen next. Um, and then at that point, you're really negotiating. Um, you, there's no, you, you don't have to file a lawsuit to enforce your contract. You can just say, this is what the contract says. And I expect you to abide by it because we both, this is what we both agreed to. Um, but it will help you if you have some leverage at that point. So that just means, is there something you have that the client wants um, that you can kind of hold over their head <laughs> to get them to agree to do what you want? You know, this is kind of negotiating one-on-one. Um, you, you, you need to be able to um, either, you know, threaten them with something they don't want to happen, like a lawsuit, or offer them something they want to kind of sweeten the pot. So there's two ways to go about it. Um, and you just do your best to... You know, sometimes you have to go back and forth. And then if it looks like you're at an impasse and you just can't agree, then at that point, if the mo- if there's enough money there to make it worthwhile, um, that would be the time to call in a lawyer. Because often, honestly, just me sending a letter on my letterhead <laughs> and letting the other side know that, yeah, they've, hi- they've lawyered up, they are taking this seriously, and that, you know, theoretically, you could file a lawsuit if you wanted to. That will bring a lot of people to the bargaining table. Um, so I do a fair amount of that kind of what I call dispute resolution. So it's not filing a lawsuit, but the other side knows that there's the threat of a lawsuit. And usually they want to avoid that. And we can figure out a way to meet in the middle. Um, and in that negotiation, it's kind of like what we talked about earlier. The contract may say X and you may end up at Y because you don't have to abide 100% by the contract if you can both agree to it. Um, but if you can't agree and then you go to court, then the court is going to enforce the contract. It's the court is going to require X. You're not going to be able to agree to Y unless you have an out of court settlement. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of ways that you can take action. And especially, I mean, just approaching it as a human being and realizing that sometimes things go wrong or life happens or, you know, people make mistakes. I think all of that helps in the beginning being nice about it will help you hopefully accomplish your goal, whether you're trying to get somebody to pay you or, you know, give you what you want. If they're holding something from you that you need. Um, I think the, the sooner you escalate into being ugly, you know, the harder it can be to, to find that middle ground. Right. And it's good to know that you don't have to resort to a lawsuit right away. There's a lot you can do just between you and your client, or if you have to get a lawyer involved, that isn't going to cost you a lot of time and money and kind of really make that relationship strained like a lawsuit would. Right, right. Yeah. And another option before you file a lawsuit is to send it to a collections agency or, um, you know, there's some companies that aren't technically collections agency, but that basically do this negotiation for you um, and try and get you paid. So that's another option if you feel like it's above your skill level, but you're not quite ready to get a lawyer involved. Um, that can be a, a, net, a nice intermediary step. Okay. So did you have anything else uh, you wanted to share or thought that listeners should know about creating contracts? I think we covered a lot of it. Uh, my big thing is just that um, I am really passionate about um, business owners taking their business seriously and treating it like a business. And part of that is having contracts in place and protecting yourself legally. Um, we're not just... Um, you know, having fun with our friends. We're trying to make money. We're trying to set something up that hopefully will be productive for a long time and allow us to do the things that we love with people we enjoy working with. 
And um, it's really critical that you protect yourself legally and able to be able to do that and reach your goals. Right. And usually once you have a contract in place, you can use it for all of your clients, maybe make a couple of adjustments. You don't have to rewrite it every time. Oh my gosh, no. Yeah, exactly. I usually set up contracts as basically a custom template. So you may fill in some blanks, you may make some tweaks, um, but generally, as long as your process is similar for all of your clients, you're not going to want to be reinventing the wheel every time. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about how serving your clients and customers well has been so important in your business? Yeah, well, I mean, that's the foundation, I think, of any service-based business is to provide extraordinary customer service. And so that's definitely the foundation of my business. And uh, it's allowed me to grow really quickly. So it, there's a direct benefit. Um, my, my favorite clients are always referrals from existing clients. Um, because, you know, if you do a good job for someone, they are going to tell other people, hey, she did a great job. You should definitely contact her. So uh, you will reap far more benefits from from just doing an excellent job. And I always try and go above and beyond and, you know, offer little extras or, you know, answer questions after the fact if I can at no additional charge. Just really, um, you know, love all my clients and support them. And uh, my goal is always to have a long-term relationship with a client. I'm not not the cheapest one out there. I'm not trying to just be like a one-shot deal and I never hear from you again. I really want to be a legal partner long-term. So I think the way that you do that is you take care of people. Yes. Yeah. And you definitely do that because <laughs> I loved working with you on the contract that we created. Oh, thank you. Okay. So tell me two things that you're loving right now that can be business or life. Yeah, no, I loved this question. Um, so you'll laugh, but I'm a total nerd and I love to read. That's my like number one way to relax and um, after my kids go to bed. So I just went to the library yesterday and got a big haul of books. So I'm super excited. <laughs> um, and I was actually, um, a couple months ago, I um, met Tara Gentili, who's a business coach and strategist. Um, and she had recommended, a, it's a fiction book. It's not a business book. Um, called The Magicians. And I've been like on the waiting list at the library to get it. And so I finally got it yesterday. So I'm really excited about that. <laughs> okay. And then number two um, is a business thing. So I joined the um, Being Boss Clubhouse, which is their kind of group coaching mastermind program um, in the fall. And we had an in-person retreat in Chattanooga uh, in March. And we just had a call this week. And they've been, it's I think 12 of us. It's a pretty small group. Um, and it's, it's been incredible. It's been transformative for my business. Um, I'm making a big shift in my offerings. And so, um, just having the encouragement of that group and they've, I've just had so many aha moments lately. So that's been amazing. And I would encourage anybody who's not already in kind of a mastermind group or a small group where you're able to bounce ideas off of peers who are at the same place where you are, or maybe a little ahead of you in business is just invaluable. Awesome. And we actually have an episode. Um, I'm not sure if it will have aired or not about starting your own mastermind. Oh, awesome. So that's good. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a paid one. You can do, do one with, with friends. Yes. Okay. So what are you excited for that's coming up in the future? Yeah. So I'm just, I'm like down the rabbit hole right now of this shift in my offering. So I'm changing the way I do business to work with clients more on a longer term um, like either a monthly or quarterly retainer or with a package where we work together for a longer period. Um, and it's really terrifying because it's changing 
um, how I do business, but I'm really excited because I think it's going to open up the door to the kinds of clients that I really love working with who have more ongoing legal needs and that I can really get in there in their business and help them really have a big impact um, and help them reach their big goals. So I'm super, super excited about that. Okay. Are you still going to be offering the templates in your shop? They're kind of, um, you'll laugh <laughs> They're Um, they still exist. Um, they're a little bit hidden right now. Um, I'm offering them to existing clients. Like if you know where they are, they're still there. Um, <laughs> and then, um, through collaboration. So I have a number of like business coaches and some other people that I'm working with, um, that I'm offering it to like the people in their programs. Um, from a marketing perspective, now that I'm um, trying to work with bigger businesses, I had gotten some feedback that it was, um, you know, kind of sending a mixed message about what kind of business I work with. Um, so yeah, so it's a, it's a little bit of a strange thing, but they <laughs> still exist. Um, they're still out there. I've created them. So I'm happy to, happy to have people find them. And if you can't find them, feel free to email me. <laughs> um, but it's not, that's not as big a focus, I, I would say, as my, in my business model right now. Okay. All right. And then last question, where can people find you online? Yeah. So my website is where all my resources live and where you can find me. It's awbfirm.com. Um, and I'm also on Facebook at, um, it's Autumn Whit Boyd. And I do a Facebook live video every week on different legal topics. So there's tons of resources and I'm always sharing articles and things there. Um, so I'm most active in Facebook and in different Facebook groups. Um, and then I'm on Instagram, but I'm not a huge poster. So you can find me there also. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was great information. Yeah, this was really fun. Thanks for having me, Samantha. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Process to Profitability. Please take a minute to leave an honest review in iTunes so that I can help more small business owners and creative entrepreneurs find the show.